Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. Hello and welcome to the program, Kids First Coming Attractions. I am your host, Kiefer Blakesley, and today we're going to be talking about the films Goosebumps 2 and Liana, but today we have a very special guest. He is the writer and director of many films such as Against the Wild, The Dogfather, and today we're going to be talking about his new film, An Elephant's Journey. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Richard Bonington with us. Thank you so much, sir, for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Kiefer. So, um... Let's get right into it. First of all, talking about your career, you you have an interesting career of of wildlife. I mean, you definitely are one of those directors who are in with the elements. So, um, how did that? How did you um start filmmaking? Well, there's uh, very few animals at this stage that I have not worked with uh, in film. I've now worked with uh, wolves, uh, grizzly bears, uh, raccoons, salmon, dogs, elephants, lion, hyena. Leopard, uh, uh, cobras. Actors, those are hard to work with as well. Well, you know what? In all my time of filmmaking, you know, I've never once had an animal bring me the script and say, Richard, I have some changes I want to discuss with you. (laughs) Uh, I'll certainly get that with human actors, especially the adults who will hand me the script saying, this is how I think it should be, Richard, with a whole bunch of marks and, uh, you know, rewrites all over it. I've yet to have a child actor come and tell me that they didn't like the script, though. Give it time. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> well, definitely. So you worked with a lot, and um, you definitely worked with a lot of animals in your career. So, um, I sorry for interrupting, but so like, what wh- was that the intention to go into filmmaking and be like, you know what, I want to work with a, a bunch of animals, or did that just come naturally? Well, when I started with Super 8 back in uh, an era known as the 1980s, um, I, you know, was heavily influenced by the works of Lucas and Spielberg. And uh, like a lot of young filmmakers back then, at 12, 13 years old, a lot of us wanted to emulate their work. And I thought that, you know, what I want to do is make, you know, big, epic, you know, inspiring movies with a message of some kind. And uh, basically, you know, I make movies that I personally would want to watch. Uh, that's what I do. And then, you know, hopefully they're successful in the marketplace and hopefully other people, uh, enjoy them as well and uh, appreciate the message behind them and the production value and, uh, you know, the, the, the work that we've done. And if not, well, that's the way it goes. Uh, you can't please all the people all the time. Well, you certainly please with many people with this film, Elephant's Journey. I mean, I've heard so much about it and a lot of people are enjoying it. So how did this film um, come to be? Okay, so in 2015, I was uh, in South Africa on a location scout for Against the Wild 2 and uh, became very aware of the elephant poaching crisis, which is uh, gripping Africa. Currently, we're seeing about 30,000 elephants a year being slaughtered for their ivory. Uh, It is one of the great environmental catastrophes of our time. Uh, there used to be millions of elephants in Africa. Now we're down to somewhere between 375,000 and 400,000. And even that number now is dwindling fast. Uh, the world appetite for ivory is insatiable. And the slaughter just continues. So after seeing a lot of this firsthand and then also visiting a couple of different elephant reserves where 
uh, very well-trained elephants lived and interacted very freely and very well with humans, I came up with the idea, just a thought in my head about a boy and an elephant who team up to take down the elephant poaching, uh, an elephant poaching syndicate. That was all I had at the time. So went back here to my home in Toronto, Ontario, and uh, you know started working on a script. And three years later, I was back in South Africa uh, with Elizabeth Hurley and a wonderful actor named Sam Ash Arnold at, to play the boy. And we were working on an elephant's journey. Wow. So it definitely, well, filmmaking is itself a journey, and you had a very interesting one trying to get it um, I try to get the production going. So what would you find is like the biggest challenge when making a movie like this? Well, first off, you know, filmmaking is an extraordinarily expensive endeavor. It costs millions of dollars to make a movie. Uh, just, just think about the costs involved of having 75 people, um, staying out on a remote location, making a movie every day with an elephant herd. Uh, the elephants require a huge team of people to be around them at all times to make sure that their needs are being taken care of. Uh, you have an incredible, you know, just, just just the flight budget alone to get everybody from North America and the UK down to South Africa is a huge cost. Uh, and then there's all the post-production that you have to do and, you know, music scoring and uh, the editing work. And, uh, you know, each each movie for me is a two-year commitment. That's how long it takes minimum to go from idea to completion by the time I finish all of the work that's uh, involved. Many people will flip a movie onto Netflix and watch it and not really have an understanding of the, the incredible amount of work and hours that went into making that, uh, that movie that they're watching. So an elephant's journey presented its uh, unique challenges in that we used uh, real elephants, not computer generated elephants. Uh, we had to have our boy who came from Canada to very quickly learn how to interact with elephants, uh, how to trust them, how to work with them. You know, we used two, bull elephants for the movie they each weigh six tons um you know they're our largest land animal fortunately they are extraordinarily intelligent and they generally get along very well with people so i had to make sure i found an actor a young person who was going to be very comfortable working thousands of miles away from home and working with elephants out on the african bushveld on a daily basis and i'm guessing the catering situation was probably the hardest part especially with 60 ton elephants around as well well, the rocket fuel for elephants is oranges. Uh, ah. So long as you've got plenty of oranges, you'll be amazed what you can get an elephant to do. Uh, if you run out of oranges, they're not going to work for you. <laughs> Take note on that, definitely. <laughs> You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Kiefer Blakesley. We have a lot of films to be talking about in this show. We're going to be talking about Liana. Today, we're going to continue our conversation with the wonderful Richie Boddington on Elephant's Journey. So, um, Richard, you were just talking about there's a lot of uh, effort and time and money and energy and oranges that goes into making a film like this. But what would you say was like the most the fondest memory you had on the making of this film? Well, seeing uh, seeing how our star uh, Sam Ash Arnold uh, interacted with the elephants and how they really uh, treated him so wonderfully. There are so many moments in the movie where the elephant affectionately reaches out to uh, to Sam. Uh, he was the only member of the cast and crew the elephant would do that to. They had they actually had a, uh, an off-screen bond. Uh, the elephant liked to come to Sam. The elephant wanted to be around Sam. You know, he liked his voice. He liked everything about him. 
the elephants, of course, hated me because I was the the the, the bad human telling everybody what to do. Uh, but <laughs> but they adored Sam. They absolutely adored Sam. Uh, and elephants are absolutely just the most wonderful animals to work with. Um, they are. They live in very, very, very close-knit family groups. Uh, they are really gentle giants, and it's just a terrible shame that we're losing them. And an entire generation may end up one day going to Africa and not being able to see an elephant because we killed them all. The elephants are not dying from global warming. They're dying because people are pointing guns at them and pulling the trigger. And that's something that we can stop. And there are many wonderful people on the ground in, in all the African nations who risk their lives daily to uh, patrol uh, the African uh, continent to try and protect the elephants. But unfortunately, it's, uh, it's a losing battle. Definitely. And also your film powerfully shows that and also is a great way to get people involved in understanding the topical issues like such as that, because many people don't know about that. But because of your film, we're now able to understand it more and understand also story of friendship and bonding between an elephant and his boy, which you got to admit, that's I bet that was a concern, like hopefully finding chemistry between actors, but definitely chemistry between animals. I think that's that's something you have to worry about in your head as well. It's something that you just have to gamble on and hope that it works. Um, there's really nothing else that uh, that you can do. And yes. I do hope I do hope that the movie raises awareness of uh, of the issue. Uh, it's also a very positive, uplifting film for young people. Uh, the star character, you know, demonstrates the importance of friendship, the importance of loyalty, and the importance of um, courage in the face of adversity. He becomes lost and his only friend is the elephant. He takes on a very dangerous group of heavily armed men. And um, yes, the story is fictional, but uh, you think of all the young people listening to our interview right now, they're not going to go to Africa and take on the elephant poachers, but they are going to face other challenges in their life. Um, could be the loss of a loved one, could be you know even a challenging test or a challenging teacher or dealing with a bully. And uh, the movie really does help uh, you know, underscore the importance of, you know, courage in the face of adversity when, when you're faced with such challenges. Well, definitely. And your film certainly shows that. So if you had to give any advice for maybe like up and coming filmmakers out there who want to tell their stories and bring awareness to certain other subjects they are passionate about, like, what would you, what would you say to them? Well, I think that you use the, uh, the key word in your, in your sentence there. And that word is passion. Uh, filmmaking is very difficult and, uh, you know, it took Steven Spielberg 10 years to get Lincoln made, uh, and that's Steven Spielberg. <laughs> so think how passionate and determined, you know, you would have to be, uh, to get your story made. And lots of people are going to tell you to give up and quit. And you're going to have to be the kind of person who says, well, I'm going to move forward, you know, anyway. And, uh, Film is the kind of career that you do because you're passionate about. And yes, there are people that make lots of money in it, but those are people that are uh, good at what they do. They enjoy what they do. And then the money follows afterward. Um, and that really is kind of the key is that if you are passionate about it and pursue your ambitions, then your financial goals will be reached. You know, they'll come after maybe, maybe not as fast, as fast as you like, but they will happen. I totally agree. That's the advice I always get told by my parents. They say, do what you love and the money will follow. And That's it. That's that, that, that'd be a very good boil down of the whole thing. Yeah. Certainly. Well, thank you so much, Richard, for talking about Atlanta's journey. It's been a pleasure and I'm looking forward to your next big picture coming up.
Well, this one's available everywhere in the United States on October 23rd. It is, yes. Yeah, so please go check it out on digital DVD and demand, please. It's a great film and deserves to be seen by everybody. So go check it out. With that said, let's take a break. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and this show is sponsored by Little Wolf Big Book of Badness. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. tuned in to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids channel Shh, turn off your phone another movie review is coming up hey and welcome back i'm sahiba and you're listening to kids first coming attractions we've been talking about an elephant's journey and next we'll be talking with talia about liana welcome to the show talia Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I'm super excited to talk to you about this film because I've never heard of it until it popped up on the show's list. So can you tell me a little bit about um, what is the documentary on? Yeah, of course. So the film Liana is about five orphan kids who live in Swaziland in Africa and who, under the guidance of the storyteller Jacina Malofe, hopefully I don't butcher that name, but um, they create their own fictional character who embarks on a journey to save her brothers. And basically, um, the story is created by the children that revolve around the story and the film and the dreams they have. And the character they make, which they name Liana, is fully animated throughout the film. Oh, wow. That's really unique and different from several documentaries I've watch so what did you think of um the narration and storytelling I thought it was such like a fun way of narrating I've personally never actually seen a documentary in which kids basically narrate the entire time and I thought it was really kind of it brought like a personal connection to the film which I really enjoyed a lot since the kids did um well were the ones that were explaining the story throughout the entire film which I really enjoyed Wow, yeah, that is um, very special. I don't, yeah, like you said, I don't think I've ever seen a documentary where the kids are the stars and the narrators. Um, So I know there is, like you mentioned, a little bit of animation. How was that and what did you think of it? 
The animation was definitely very unique. I haven't seen anything quite like this. The animation is rather still, and the characters rarely move around in the scenes, which is really interesting since I personally have never seen anything like this. And just like the subtle movements are really interesting, and there were just silent noises, and um, definitely lots of color, lots of culture in the animation as well. Wow, okay. This is really cool. And um, this movie was not made in the U.S., right? No, it was not. It was made in Swaziland in Africa. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I'm sure um, the culture must be different. And how was um, that watching this film? Yeah, definitely. There was a lot of African heritage, lots of culture explained. They definitely had the music was definitely a feature that kind of highlighted a lot on this since it was a lot of um, since the lyrics are usually in the native tongue of the people, which definitely brought a huge cultural aspect to the film. Wow, this is really cool. And um, I noticed that this film won several awards and it got really high ratings on like Rotten Tomato. And so why do you think that is? I think it was just a very creative way of explaining some of the struggles that people face in Africa at the moment. It definitely highlighted just some like family dynamics and some of the diseases such as HIV. So I thought it was a very, because it didn't really pity the situation. It rather kind of was a way of empowering people. Since a lot of documentaries that personally I've watched, they're kind of just explaining some of the, a lot of the struggles that people face in, like that people in Africa are facing at the moment. But this um, film was rather, it kind of just like was uplifting rather than trying to pity their situation, which I thought was a really interesting way of bringing about some of the struggles that they were facing. Oh, yeah, that is, this sounds like a very special film, and I don't think I've ever heard of anything like it. And so um, I know there's several parts that are animated, but what did you think of the cinematography and um, the sets of the locations that were shot that were not animated? I thought it was absolutely beautiful. I mean, Africa, what, like, an amazing continent. I mean, just, like the landscape and I loved the people and their different shots that they did. It was really interesting. And I liked how they had a lot of shots in the orphanage since it was about five orphan kids. And yeah, I like just them playing was so much fun. Yeah. I definitely really enjoyed the cinematography. It was beautifully made. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm so glad. And um, so can you tell me a little bit more about um, what's going on when it's not animated and they're not telling um, their dreamlike story of Liana? Usually it does connect back to their personal lives, such as them going and there's actually one scene where they're at this hospital and they're getting tested for HIV. So it definitely correlates with the animation since a lot of times when Liana, the animated character, is struggling, they'll be going through their own kind of personal struggles. So it's a lot of back and forth and it's definitely a lot of similarity with the animation, such as there's some abuse that was that was being done um, by Liana's father. And it does talk about how some of the children themselves were not treated so well. So there's definitely some correlations with the real life aspect and the animated. Oh, wow. This is so wonderful. I'm so um, excited to be hearing about this movie. 
So you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. Today we're talking about An Elephant's Journey, Goosebumps 2, Liana, and Old Man and the Gun. And right now I'm going to continue talking to the amazing Talia about Liana. So Talia, you were just telling me about how the animation was connected to the parts of the film that were not animated. And so can you tell me what... um, was there a symbol that Liana represented throughout the film? I think she resented, I think she represented, excuse me, like a sense of bravery, like how these kids, they were going through so much, but like they always had their own kind of Liana to themselves. Just because this character starts off really just unsure about what she should do she doesn't really know she goes through all these horrible experiences but then she comes out a very brave and very inspiring and passionate individual and I definitely think it reflects the children and who they wish to be wow this is so amazing it gets better and better and so how did this documentary impact you after you watched it well personally I thought I thought that i definitely needed to watch something like this. I feel like we can just get so caught up in our lives and take a lot of things for granted. And this film really highlights true struggles that orphan children in Africa face. And I mean, some of the children don't even remember stuff about their family, stuff about their parents, because their parents sadly passed away. And I just thought that it, it really humbled me to see this kind of film, and it really inspired me as well, just because these kids are just so passionate and they just are craving so much that it's just it was so inspiring for me to watch. Oh, this is so amazing. I need to watch this film, and I'm so <laughs> excited to watch it when it comes out. And so I know you just mentioned um, a little bit about why the story needs to be told, but why do you think um, it's so prevalent in the world today? I mean, it's not made in the U.S., yet it's having such an impact on our lives. Yeah, definitely. I think this is really important for everybody to watch. I mean, people hear about horrible things on the news, but it doesn't really seem to have a true personal connection to anyone just because, I mean, people are just constantly flipping through their phones, looking at, oh, this horrible catastrophe happened, but then the next thing happens. But then this film provides a really personal account and um, of how the children are dealing with such issues. And by providing such a personal account with the struggles that they face, it could really help people connect to the film and connect to these um, problems. And it will definitely help spread the word more and really give give like a more more personal, like I've said, and just kind of connect to the audience a lot more than just watching about a specific event. That's really important, yeah. And I hope it reaches a lot of a lot more people in the US. And um, so did you have a favorite moment in this film? I honestly loved just, oh gosh, that's so difficult. This is such a great film. Um, I have to say that my favorite film was when they were all just sitting in the orphanage together while this amazing storyteller was just trying trying to get them to kind of help add on to the story, which I thought was so interesting because these kids definitely had so many ideas and they each like voted on different ideas. And I just love that dynamic of the film. 
Oh, this is so wonderful. Yeah. And um, did you have a favorite um, character, not character, but um, person in the movie, like one of the boys? Um, well, it was a, it was a combination of boys and girls in the orphanage. And sadly, we didn't really get to have kind of like an intimate moment with exactly one of the children. But I definitely felt connected to the storyteller, who is Justina Malofe. And I definitely felt, because she, she definitely had some cameos throughout the film. And I, I felt really connected with her, because she's a very inspiring individual. And she's very empowering as well. Oh, that's amazing. And I think it's so cool that um, you were able to connect to this film and had a lot of uh, feeling with that was tied to this film. And um, so finally, what would you say the star rating in Adrian should be? Well, the film does deal with some rather harsh topics such as disease and abuse, which are important topics to express to the general public, but it can be hard for younger um, viewers to watch. So I do recommend this film for people between 12 to 18 and definitely above. And I give this a five out of five stars. It was absolutely beautiful and it was fascinating. And I love the just the realness of this film. That's so wonderful. And I'm so glad that I got to learn about this film. So thank you so much, Talia, for um, talking with me about this. Thank you again so much for having me. It was so great talking with you. Thank you. And be sure to check out Liana in theaters tomorrow. I'm going to check it out as soon as I can. Let's take a break. I'm Sahiba, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Little Wolf's Book of Badness. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. tuned in to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids channel Shh, turn off your phone another movie review is coming up hello and welcome back to the program kids first coming attractions i'm your host keeper blakesley we just got done talking about liana and also the writer director of elephant's journey i'm going to continue the show talking with the wonderful benjamin about the new goosebumps 2 movie but actually we're going to be talking about his interview with 
the man, the myth, the legend himself, R.L. Stein. So thanks so much, Benjamin, for being on the show. Thank you for having me. So you haven't got a chance to see the movie yet, which is totally understandable, but you got to talk to the creator of the Goosebumps books, R.L. Stein. So how did that conversation go? Uh, it went great. He was really nice, uh, and I got some really good answers. It was at the Library of Congress in uh, Washington, D.C., which was also a really cool location. And, uh, yeah, it went really well. So what kind of things did you guys discuss while you were interviewing him? Um, a lot about the series and what motivated him to write the series. He said uh, when he was the little kid that he would go to the movies with his brother and uh, go see scary movies, and that's what got him to start writing Goosebumps. I also asked him what his favorite part of Goosebumps 2 is um, from the new film that comes out. Well, that'll already be out by the time this radio show is out. Yep. Um, and he said it's a scene involving uh, gummy bears where they come to life. Um, and he seemed really excited about that. Now, did you get to talk about what he thinks about the movies? The the movies, because uh, these movies are based off his film, uh, his books, and I, I'm curious to see what he thinks of them. Uh, yeah, he's he's sounded very excited for audiences in general to see Goosebumps Two Haunted Halloween. Um, and in terms of the first Goosebumps, he talked a little bit about how it was sort of weird seeing Jack Black play him on screen in the first one. <laughs> It was interesting, de- definitely interesting casting, but I think he p- pulls it off pretty well. It's pretty, it's interesting because these films are just very fun and kind of campy and corny, which is what I thought the television show was like as well. Um, minus Haunted Mask, which is by far the most terrifying goosebump <laughs> thing ever. I still have that on VHS, by the way, and I always kind of watch it on the, uh, I always watch it for Halloween because it's so terrifying. That's a terrifying episode. And uh, I, I understand that you've watched a little bit of the show, so. Um, being able to talk to him, like how to be able to talk to a man who created such a cultural horror icon? Um, it was really interesting. Uh, I was going in, I was sort of like kind of, I don't know, freaked out because it's like, you know, he writes horror stories. Maybe he's a little, he's got to have like a creepy mindset. But uh, no, it was really cool. He was a really nice guy. Um, it was cool thinking like, oh man, this dude's written a series that sold over. I think it was like 400 million copies or something, like created something that large in terms of a book series um, and even a television show. So, What else did, uh, kind of questions did you ask him? I asked him if he, if he ever had to go th- through the events of one of his own Goosebumps novels, which one would it be and why? And of course, the logical answer is none of them because they <laughs> would all be terrifying, and that's exactly what he said. Yikes, yes. I'm, I'm sure... Because some of the stuff he comes up with are insane. I mean, they are like "Say Cheese and Die" was one of my one of my favorite ones to read, and that one freaked me out because I love taking pictures. And then I'm, after that, I'm like, I don't want to take pictures anymore. I'm camera shy. I'm gonna be behind the camera. Don't take a picture of me. I don't want to die. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, it's because he's it, it, it's interesting that how far these books have gone. They're great for kids, and I think they're even great for. I think they're great for any any like young kid who wants to get into horror or get into scary stuff because it's it's a, it's a right enough of like campiness, nostalgia, and also you know scare the pants off of you. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host Keeper Blakesley, and this in this show is sponsored by Little Wolf's Book of Badness. We're going to continue the show talking about many other films, but right now we're going to talk to Benjamin about his conversation with R.O. Stein. 
So to, when talking about him, uh, talking to uh, Stein, like, what would you think was the most surprising answer you got from him? Um, probably the, uh, when I asked him if he'd like to go through any of the events of the Goosebumps novels, uh, and he said none of them, I was sort of expecting a certain answer, like, oh, such and such, because it would be really fun to be this scared or something. Um, and it was kind of, <laughs> it was kind of fun to have an answer that I wasn't expecting. Well, certainly. I mean, like, if you, I'm sure if you asked, like, a director, if, like, hey, You've written, you know, you've made some of the best slasher horror films of all time. Which one would you like to um, to live through? And I would be like, no, I wouldn't want to live through any of it. No, no, thank you. No, thank you. Nightmare <laughs> on Elm Street, you can get away from that. Or Friday the Thirteenth. Nope, I don't want to live through any of that. So I don't blame him. Don't blame him at all. So um, being that it is the spooky season, my favorite time of the year. Um, kind of going off the subject a little bit, but like, what is your go-to Halloween film to watch during this season? Um. I'm a big fan of Nightmare Before Christmas, but uh, Paranorman or Coraline, I think those are really clever movies with great animation and a really interesting story to boot, um, and I really like them. Heck yeah. Leica films, they just have, they are the best films of watching Halloween. I mean, def- like you said, Coraline and Paranorman, especially Paranorman, those films are great. And I also love Monster House. I don't know if you've seen that, but. Oh yeah, that's a fun one. Heck yeah! It's a it's a, a great movies to watch during the Halloween season because there, I don't know, there's some great scary movies out there, but there's also great great like animated films that are both scary but fun to watch. Um, do you like getting scared, Ben? Um, I guess yeah. The problem with horror movies is I don't know they don't. It I say this all the time. It's like they don't. I don't know. It's just life isn't that important to them. I don't. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of lives are lost really quickly, which is just kind of scary. Um, it depends. I I'm I remember watching a few. I think I watched Happy Death Day this past summer. I really enjoyed that. But if you, most of the time, you're not going to see me watching a horror movie. Honestly, it's same. When it, it, I'm not the biggest horror movie fan, but I don't know. I I love Halloween films. I I feel like there's a dif- differentiation between like horror and Halloween. I don't know if that makes sense, but like there's just some films with like 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 you said. Nightmare Before Christmas or Monster House or even the Paranorman films where they're just like, they're, the, they're just, they scream Halloween, but it's the spooky enough to the point where I can watch them and not be completely terrified the whole time. Well, no, I get it because it's sort of in the spirit of the season. Like there's a purpose to it. You know, there's a purpose to getting scared, I guess. Uh, unlike, you know, just doing it randomly. Exactly. Definitely. So, uh, is there anything else that you want to talk about with your conversation with R.O. Stein? Because I- I'm sure it was a fun experience for you. It was really fun. Uh, I'll talk about my favorite Goosebumps episode, which is okay. uh, Say Cheese and Die, which you mentioned earlier as a book. Oh, seriously? Uh, I really like this episode because it's really fun, and it's kind of campy. There's a really young Ryan Gosling in it, um, and it's funny to see that he's been nominated for Oscars and started out on Goosebumps. Um, it's not the best acting, but then again, I can't blame him. Uh, but it's a really fun episode, and I think they're all on Netflix for those who have it. So I would really recommend watching them. They're really fun. Definitely, yeah. I, Goosebumps show the Goosebumps show was is everything '90s. Like it screams '90s and early 2000s, and it's so campy and weird and strange. And it, some of the episodes are really scary, and some of them are just really hokey. But like, yeah. it's, like it's like the books, so they're perfect and beautiful episodes. 
thank you so much, Benjamin, for talking about your conversation with R.S. Stein and also talking about just Halloween films. It's been a pleasure. No problem. Uh, happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. It's coming up very soon. I'm super excited. Go Make sure to go check out Goosebumps 2 in theaters now. And also make sure to check out some Goosebumps episodes just to get yourself in the spooky season because it's it only comes once a year, guys, and it's a great season and great films come out during this time. With that said, let's take a break. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and this show is sponsored by Little Wolf Big Book of Badness. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. tuned in to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids channel Shh, turn off your phone another movie review is coming up hello and welcome back i'm sahiba and you're listening to kids first coming attractions we've been talking about an elephant's journey goosebumps 2 liana and next we'll be talking with benjamin benjamin about old man and the gun so welcome back benjamin Hello, thanks for having me. Of course. So this, I've heard a lot about this movie, and I'm so excited to see what you have to say. So can you start by telling me a little bit about um, what's going on in the film? Sure. Uh, Robert Redford, Oscar winner Robert Redford, plays Forrest Tucker, who's about 60 or 70 years old. He's in his 60s or 70s, and uh, he's a bank robber, and he's been going in and breaking out of jails since he was 13 years old. Um he meets a woman played by Sissy Spacek, who uh, sort of, he falls in love with her. And um, meanwhile, he continues to rob banks. And uh, there's a policeman played by Casey Affleck, who um, has sort of given up on his job, but uh, chasing around this baby boomer bank robber, as I like to call him, um, really makes him, uh, gives him, it reinvigorates his interest in his job. Wow, this sounds like a fun movie, and it's amazing that the three main characters are award-winning actors, and so how did this movie make you feel? Um, for the most part, to be honest, kind of disappointed. My one problem with this film is that it can't really find a tone. Uh, at times it's fun, 
at times it's really relaxed and sort of going at a slow pace, and then at times it's really trying to um, make make you feel emotion. Uh, and I couldn't really find a balance between the three, uh, leading to sort of I don't know an weird cinematic experience. One where I didn't dislike the movie, but I didn't really enjoy it that much either. Oh, I'm so surprised. That is interesting. And um, so what did you think of the acting then uh, with Robert Redford, Casey Adam- Affleck, and Sissy Spacek? Uh, for the most part, the acting's pretty good. Uh, there are some characters who I thought were kind of didn't get enough attention. Um, I thought Robert Redford, uh, he's really working on his charisma in this movie, and this is a role that is sort of engineered for him to play. It's very charismatic and uh, fun, but uh, at the same time, it really is just him playing himself. I felt uh, Sissy Spacek, I thought, did an excellent job of um, creating a character, and uh, I like the sort of rugged ruggedness of Casey Affleck, uh, the sort of um, subtle... I guess, a subtle um, uninterest in his job as a policeman. Um, So all in all, yeah, I thought the performances were pretty good. But um, there were some performances that sort of detracted from the film, like uh, Tom Waits and Danny Glover, two characters, or two actors who are very good normally, um, but don't get, get a lot to do in this film. Oh, that's sad. Um, what role did these characters play in the movie? Uh, Tom Waits and Danny Glover play uh, Robert Redford's fellow heist buddies um, and help them plan the heists on the banks. Okay, I see. And um, so what did you think um, of the set design? And I, it is um, in the 80s, right? Yes. Yeah, so how did that play um, a role in the whole movie and the atmosphere? Uh, that's a really good question. I thought the production design, um, the way the just the sets were designed, and I thought there were some interesting touches. Like uh, one of the characters is I noticed was drinking a beer, but it was the old logo for Budweiser, which I thought was an interesting touch. I don't know why I noticed that, but uh, I also felt like the directing contributed to the movie. Something about the way the film was shot, or maybe it was the color of it, but uh, it felt like a movie from a couple decades ago. Um, there's a little bit of a, a sort of, I don't know, retroness to it, I guess. Oh, wow. That's really cool. I think that's uh, very difficult to do, especially now that we're in the 21st century. But that is very interesting. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. Today we're talking about An Elephant's Journey, Goosebumps 2, Liana. And now we'll continue talking with the awesome Benjamin about old man and the gun so you were just telling me about the cinematography and how it was also related to the time of the period but um was there anything else that also um contributed to this era such as the clothing and the um uh design of the clothes um for the most part the costume design was pretty normal so i'm sorry i don't have much to say about that but uh I liked this. I liked the score a lot in this film. Um, it's pretty jazz heavy, which uh, gives the film a sort of a I don't I can't think of another word, but sort of chill vibe. 
you know, it's sort of moving at a slow pace, and it was not what I was expecting from a movie about a bank robber. Um, you know, you expect those to be a little more intense. So that's another thing I liked about this movie. It's sort of a less intense cat and mouse cat and mouse chase than what we're used to. Yeah, that is interesting. I know when I first heard of it, I thought it would be like an action comedy where you're constantly running from the police and there are all these action sequences. But then what you're saying, it seems like it's pretty different from that. And um, so was there something special about this film that separated it from other movies that we see today? Yeah, in terms of heist movies, and even there was a movie that came out last year about older people robbing banks called going in style this one is a weird mix of genres you know it's a drama but it's also got some comedic elements and also got some uh, emotional moments and poignance to it and also i'd just say sort of the it's weird it's or it's not weird but it's i don't really it's not normal at least for me to see a, a heist movie with such a good cast either so a heist movie with a bunch of Oscar-winning actors was kind of surprising to me. Yeah, that is different. And was this movie based off um, a real-life story? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there was a guy from the Ability of the New Yorker a magazine uh, who wrote an article about this person, and then he adapted it into a novel, and now it's getting turned into a movie. And uh, after you see this film, I'd recommend reading the article, because... There are some stuff that they kind of gloss over in the movie, some loose plot threads that I uh, I really want to go find out what happened over them. Oh, well, yeah, I think it's always fun to compare um, real life and the movie. And um, do you think that they did a good job, though, overall with representing this person? I'm going to say no, because uh, the, the problem with this, movie also another problem with this movie is this movie has a perfect moment where it could have ended and i would have been like all right that's the four out of five right there that's what a great place to end it but the last five minutes of this movie made me so angry because they make this bank robber you know they make him sympathetic and relatable and likable almost to a point and then at the end it just turns out he's a big jerk which i guess in a way, is does do a good job of showing the truth if that's what actually happened. But anyway, if they were, they always change stuff in the movies, so I really would have liked them to leave that part out. Yeah. Oh no, I don't like it when it's good and it's like it's gonna be up there with your expectations, but then they keep going and they keep dragging it on till the point where it's just not as good anymore. I'm sorry to hear that, but um. Do you think that there would be a sequel to this movie, or do you think that they should end it now? Since this is based on a true story, and uh, I won't spoil it, but things aren't looking too good for Forrest Tucker by the end of this film, I don't. I, I, the chances that they're going to make a sequel are very low, and I doubt this is going to be a huge hit either, considering it is a, more of an indie movie. But then again, I mean, who knows? I mean, Hollywood does weird stuff, so. That's very true. But thank you so much. And um, finally, what would you say the age range and star rating would be? I'm going to say a hesitant three out of five stars. I'm going to give this film an age rating of um, 10 to 18. 
there's not that. I think there's a little bit of language and uh, some violence as well. Plus, the idea of a bank robbery might scare younger kids. I mean, that's that's not a good thing to think about. And, yeah, it also depends on the person, you know. If this movie looks like it's for you, you'll definitely enjoy it. If you're sort of hesitant to go see this, I doubt you'll like it very much. Yeah, well, thank you so much. And I think, based on what you're saying, I'm not sure whether or not I'm going to like it, but it helps so much to get your standpoint. And thank you so much for sharing that with me today. Thank you for letting me share it. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. And be sure to check out this film if you're interested. Thank you so much, Benjamin, again. And thanks, everyone, for joining us. You have been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First Film Critics team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. And be sure to check out our blog in the team section of Huffington Post and check out our YouTube channel. You can get there easily from our homepage at kidsfirst.org. I'm Sahiba. Thanks so much for listening and see you next week. Have a great day.